Hello, everybody. Hi, Saints. Uh, today is the 1st of January, 2021. And uh, in today's session, we're going to be finishing the seventh letter in Revelation in our process of overcoming. And we really want to make sure and ask you all to please go and make sure that you understand and that you have established in your thinking the, that the seventh letter is the first step of overcoming. Um, if you're not completely sure if you understand it, go check the first teaching we did on this again. Uh, you can't actually watch it enough. The rest of our process of overcoming is going to depend on us really understanding and having this uh, concept, this concept established in us that the seventh letter is the first step in overcoming. We're going to expand more on that today and why it's so important. Um, but in what we've taught on that already, please make sure that you get it. Okay, so <clears throat> in looking at the seventh letter, uh, it being the first step of all overcoming, um, the reason it works this way is because it looks at our positioning. Uh, the seventh letter in Revelation speaks directly to our positioning. And before we are going to overcome anything, uh, in any form of or whatever form our life takes, uh, if there's anything to overcome, the very first step is going to be to check our positioning. Uh, if we try to overcome from the wrong positioning, then needless to say, it would be futile. And so this is where the the seventh letter is really, really important because it looks at our positioning. So um, if you think of, of a pilot, before he takes off, the minute he gets into a plane, he starts checking all the settings, start checking all the sequences and the processes and the programs because he can't take off unless he's sure that the system is in full functioning working order. Uh, the risk is too big otherwise. And so this works in the same way. We check our positioning to make sure that once we do start walking in our steps of actually overcoming the issue, our positioning is correct. Right. Okay. Now, even checking our positioning has steps to it. So there's steps of overcoming, but the first step is checking our positioning, and even checking our positioning has steps of checking our positioning. So, if we quickly run through the seventh letter, we'll see that the first step in checking our positioning is, we ask ourselves, am I hot or cold? Uh, if I'm hot, then obviously move on to the next step. But, perhaps it could be that the reason I'm facing something to overcome is because I'm no longer hot, as I should be. So, um, if this is the case, then I need to check, step two, Am I being chastened or rebuked? Now, what does this mean? So if I'm no longer hot, then it could be that the Lord is putting me in a process of him chastening me or rebuking me so that I can again become hot. Um, from there, step three would be to then make sure that we are zealous to repent, because that's what he says, be zealous and repent. So if there is a chastening or rebuking taking place, then we need to respond with, okay, I'm going to be zealous and repent, or be zealous to repent. Um, we do know that he says, uh, if we are going to remain lukewarm or cold, then eventually he will spit us out, out of his mouth. No, 
we have said that if if we are positioned in him, if we have been resurrected, then we can't be taken out of him again. So if that is the case, then we're not saying that you could lose your salvation if we cool down over a period of time. But we do know that the Lord oftentimes would put us through a process where we don't realize we're no longer hot as we should be. And what may seem to us like trials or tribulations, and we know that there are certain times where we face trials and tribulations, and this is for the Lord to teach us and for us to grow, to overcome, and that's a positive. But at times we might be facing what we feel is trials or tribulations, when in actual fact it's the Lord showing us and teaching us that we've actually become lukewarm or even cold. And now he puts us through a process of chastening or rebuking us, Uh, so that we can repent and be hot again. Because if we don't, if we remain lukewarm or cold, then eventually he says he will spit us out of his mouth. Now, this, this doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to lose our salvation. But while we are... I think before you explain the spitting out, Mm. let's just... I think this is a good time for us just to read the seventh letter. Yes. Again, so that you've now highlighted the parts of it that we're going to lift out of the letter. Let's read it and then pick up. So you you already know from what Nadia has uh, pointed out where we're going to focus specific things. Let's read it. Okay. So Revelation chapter 3 from verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door. (laughs) So everything that we've spoken about is going to come out of this piece up to here. We will, later in this teaching, look at him knocking at the door. So we're not going to focus again on buying gold, refined in fire. We're not going to focus on being blind and buying eye salve. These steps, very simply, out of the text, mm. refers to, we're we going to check, am I hot? Am I cold? You could have been serving the Lord for 20 years. And uh, any of us can get to a place where we... Now, we're talking about specifically focusing on overcoming. Mm. These are applicable to the times when I realize I need to overcome now. So it's, it's not very difficult to know when overcoming has come into play. We know that when it is um, when we have to deal with uh, low levels of faith, um, low levels of courage, when we s- struggle with self, when we struggle when I say struggle with self it's always the same kind of thing I'm I'm not envisioned uh, or practically in my life um, circumstances has pushed me to a point where I am anxious 
fearful, doubtful, disappointed, um, just plain scared of the future, unsure, um, so unbelief. Those are the things that we're going to overcome in. And, um, and then, of course, temptation and sin. Temptation can lead to sin. Some of us might have to overcome in, in sin and temptation. Mm. But now, just for the moment, we're just going to say, in any of these circumstances, whenever we realize it is, our response should be overcoming. What Nadia is saying, that this is when we go, I'm a hot or cold. So pick it up there. Just explain it from there. So ignore all the other nuances in the script. Yeah. We're focusing on hot and cold. Um, am I being chastened or rebuked? Mm. We ask the question, am I being chastened or rebuked? Mm. Because I've, I, I've checked hot or cold. I'm not completely hot. That's for sure. I've determined that. So next thing is, is it the Lord chastening or rebuking me? Number two, if I go like, there's a good possibility or definitely yes. Then the next step is, Am I zealous to repent? These are positioning things. This is before mm. you start doing something. Mm -hmm. And then we go like, Oh Lord, we don't go, Oh, I repent. I'm going like, Am I zealous to repent? And, and I'm, I'm still, I'm first going to rep position myself to a place of, I'm zealous to repent. Mm. Mm. What's it going to take? Mm. What's it going to mean for me? What do I do to repent? Exactly. And the reason this is so important and, and why we're starting off with this and laying such emphasis on this is because in our process of overcoming, it might be that we get to a season where the Lord is actually chastening or rebuking us. If we don't go through these steps of checking, am I hot or cold? Is this the Lord chastening me or rebuking me or rebuking me? Then I might be looking at my trials or the situation around me and thinking, oh, this is something to overcome. And I start resisting and I start fighting when meanwhile it's actually the Lord that's trying to lead me into a process of repentance. And because I didn't ask these questions, because I didn't sit down to consider, is this my positioning? Is this the case? Am I hot or cold? Etc. Etc. I might actually be fighting against the Lord's will to help me repent. And obviously that's not going to end well. So, so you're not going to overcome the Lord? There's no way. <laughs> Okay, so we don't want to find ourselves in that position where actually we're resisting God's will. Because this might eventually turn out in, in Him spitting us out of His mouth. Yeah. Um, and what that means, so if it's not applicable to our salvation because we know we've already been resurrected into Him, we know we can't be taken out of Him again. But if it is true that while on earth we resist His will to help us repent... Or we resist his correction, we resist his chastening continuously, we resist his uh, rebuking us consistently and continuously, then what will happen, what it means for him to spit us out of his mouth, uh, the emphasis is on his mouth, uh, which points to his, his word. So if we continue to resist his will, his chastening, his rebuking, his teaching, his guiding, then it means that there will come a point where he's going to remove us from his word. Uh, whatever is expressed will was that will no longer be applicable to us. Whatever is expressed promises or proclamations were about our lives while on earth, uh, that will no longer be for us, no longer be available to us. Um, 
Now, obviously, we are in this kind of process where um, we are actively trying to to work with his will, to be in agreement with his will, uh, to be taught by him. So. Um, we're just shining a light on these things because it is something we want to be aware with, uh, aware of and we want to be aware of the risks um, of not understanding and not approaching this process in the correct way. Um, so I don't know if I need to elaborate on that anymore. Sorry. If you want to. Okay. So from there... So those are the first three things we check in checking our positioning. Now remember, the seventh letter I started by saying is about checking our positioning. So the first three steps in checking our positioning, am I hot or cold? This is the Lord rebuking or chastening me. Am I zealous to repent? Now from here we go, okay, if I'm going to repent, if I enter into this process of repentance, now I start checking my positioning according to the rest of this letter. So the parts that we haven't read is from verse 20. And it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Right. So, now we get to real positioning. So there are two aspects here. The first one we have discussed, which is uh, our positioning with him on his throne, seated with him on his throne in heavenly places. Now we know um, Ephesians chapter 2 says exactly this. Uh, I'm going to read it for us uh, from verse uh, 4 in chapter 2 of Ephesians. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Messiah, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Messiah Yahushua. So this is the first uh, aspect of positioning that we look at. And so seated with him on his throne, this represents authority and eternity mindset. Now, eternity mindset is a truth that we've taught on for a long time. But so this represents authority. Then secondly, we see this whole him standing at the door and knock. And then if we open the door, and he comes in and he dines with us. So there's this uh, a seated with him at the table. So we see two positionings. One seated with him on his throne, but then also seated with him at the table. And seated with him at the table, where he's going to dine with us. This represents intimacy and relationship with Yahushua. So both of these, the seated, the opening the door and being resurrected and seated with him, this all in all represents us entering into the rest, entering into our inheritance, uh, crossing through the Jordan, ending up in the promised land. Um, uh, at this stage, I'm going to read for us as well again, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, where he says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And so we see why it's so important to check our positioning again. Because if we are not doing it from a positioning of having entered this rest, then there's no way that we're going to be able to overcome. Um, okay, so why are these two aspects so important in checking our positioning before we can overcome? Now remember, we are... Our focus is still on overcoming. 
this in itself, this step is not necessarily overcoming the problem yet. So we're facing a challenge, we're facing a problem, there's some trial or tribulation. Before we start focusing on the problem and start overcoming the problem and, and addressing the problem, we first check our positioning. This is true for any kind of competition, match, fight, uh, even some sports games. Um, you don't just jump in and start. You don't just, if you, I don't really watch wrestling matches, <laughs> but even there, there's, there's a certain order. They don't just pitch up and grab each other and start fighting. There's a, there's a positioning of, of getting ready to enter the match or enter the fight, and then the referee says go, and then, okay, then there's a start. So even in ice and overcoming, it has the same imagery. We don't just jump in and start overcoming. We first check our positioning. Am I positioned correctly so that I can overcome uh, whatever I need to overcome? And so this is why we look at these two positionings. So what does it mean, the seated with him and the seated at the table? So I said that seated with him on his throne is representative of authority. Now, why is this important? I'm going to refer you back to the teaching we did of it being his overcoming. I think we called it John 16 verse 33. That's the teaching name. You can go look at that again. The fact that we spoke about he sat down on his throne after he overcame. And so for us to correctly overcome any issue or problem in our lives, we need to do it from the correct place of authority. So we need to be, so I'm going to overcome. Now I check. Am I still aware? So it, it might be, it's still true that I'm seated with him in heavenly places. But if I'm not conscious of my positioning in him there, then I might run the risk of trying to overcome whatever I need to overcome from the wrong authority. So the wrong positioning of authority. It might even be earthly authority or no authority at all. And I just try to go against this issue. Um, and the only way I'm going to properly overcome is if I'm, if I'm aware of my position in him and, and aware of my authority in him. But the authority comes from the fact that I'm seated with him on his throne, not from the fact that I'm just positioned in heavenly places. Um, so that's the first. We can elaborate on that some more now if we, if we feel necessary. So, and the second is the seated with him at the table. Now, this is... A beautiful imagery that he that he uses um, because he says uh, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me now we might think okay well it's my house I opened the door so obviously he's going to come eat whatever I have prepared when the the fact of the matter is that it's whatever the food is on the table it's going to be what he's prepared if we sit with him at the table, uh, it's a beautiful imagery and picture of, again, the, the household of God. Uh, later in Ephesians chapter 2, just after it says we've been seated with him in heavenly places, it speaks about um, that we've now become part of the household of God. And, um, and the seating at the table is, is so beautiful in, in looking at that because when we look at a household, the, the most elaborate... Um, demonstration of authority is where the household is seated at the table and you have the father at the head and um, and being seated with him at the table this is where he's going to teach us 
where he's going to feed us, where we're going to uh, be taught by him and be in conversation with him and build relationship and intimacy. And why is this so important? You see, if we only try, if we try to overcome, and the only thing that we're basing our overcoming on, our positioning to overcome on, is the authority, then it won't work. Um, Simply because if we get too focused on the authority, then we might uh, lose uh, sight of the fact that we are, that the authority comes from being positioned in him. Now, the only way we, we keep the mindset going of that we're positioned in him is by building the relationship and cultivating the intimacy with him. So, um, there would be no point in me uh, suddenly facing uh, uh, trials or tribulations in my life that I have to overcome. And I go, okay, but I'm seated with him in heavenly places, so I have the authority to overcome. But... Meanwhile, for the last two weeks, I haven't been spending time in the Word. I haven't been taught by Him. I haven't been fed by Him. I haven't been spending time in prayer. Uh, then, also, the overcoming is, is going to... Trying to overcome is going to be futile. Um, our position to overcome is dependent on, on both of these. Is the, the authority of being positioned in, in Him, but also the intimacy and the relationship that comes from being seated with him. Um, do you want to elaborate? So the, um, to just make sure that this point is coming through very clearly. We want to check, point one, am I in a life experience continuously where I live from my positioning as being seated with Him on His throne in heavenly places in Him. So if I glance back over uh, the days of my life, with other words, the last few days, my life experience, the way I think, the way I approach life, from where I uh, live into my life, am I living from my eternity positioning into this life? Instead of living from that life towards Him. We all know what it looks like when that swings around. Mm. Life brings pressure and testing. And that pressure can swing the thing the wrong way around. So it's almost like the thing is uh, on the swivel. Okay, so we all know what it feels like. One day I was living from eternity mindset into my life. And pressure came and just swung it around. And now I'm living, I find my prayer life showing that I'm living from here trying to pray to God. From being in my circumstances, with other words, feeling my flesh, feeling the doubt, feeling the lack of vision, feeling the lack of peace, feeling the lack of uh, the reality of the covenant. And then I want to pray towards God. So I want to pray towards Eternity, and I'm no longer living from eternity into my life. This shows you very clearly that you're, you're not seated with Him in heavenly places in your life experience. Mm. So in eternity, you are seated there. But your life experience on this side, and we are going to overcome from this side. Mm. But we're going to do it by living from that side. Mm. And so that step number one is... If I can identify that I actually haven't been living from there into my life, then I need to correct that first. 
that's the step where now I'm going to stop everything and I'm going to go, right. Stop responding to life from here and just go, allow yourself time to reposition, to rethink, to realign uh, your thoughts, your responses, the way you see things, the way you're looking at uh, circumstances, people, yourself, and you allow yourself to swing it back so that you can live from your positioning in Messiah down to your circumstances. And sometimes we need to allow ourselves sometimes time to do this. But even if you have repositioned yourself as far as, because the positioning there represents authority. His authority, but the authority of His Word, what He has said, what He has done, and what is finished. And also what's finished in you. But more than that, what's finished in the body in His eternal plan. Now that represents authority. But now you can't just keep correcting authority and then blasting back into your life through from authority because the Lord Himself is all about relationship. So, I'm witnessing to what Nadia taught that mm. now we also check our intimacy levels with mm. the Lord. So, you see, the one seated in heavenly places, that's ruling and reigning and that's purposeful. Mm. Focused, purposeful. Yeah, in that positioning, you're not having a nice, relaxed <laughs> chat with the Lord. Mm. Saying hi to the elders over there. How are you doing today? Still cool. Good job on throwing that crown down. Well done. No, that's not it. So, from the throne positioning, it's focused. It's purposeful. Mm. But around the table, as part of his household, that's intimate. Mm. That's relationship. That's eye to eye. Mm. That's um, heart to heart. And that's not purpose driven. Mm. That's relationship driven. Exactly. And so we have these two positionings that we need to maintain. Yes. Uh, for us just to be in a healthy life position. Without, yes. Otherwise living in the right way. So, so also just to add to that and to clarify, this should always be our mindset. This isn't just, we don't just go back to, into this mindset every time we realize we are now facing something that we need to overcome. Mm. We're going to overcome much quicker, much better. We're going, but our, generally our life experience is going to be much better if we maintain or learn to maintain these positionings uh, for longer mm. periods of time. So, yeah. so the ideal would be that we start to, or we learn to actually live from this, from these positionings all the time. And that's true. And, and so often our need to overcome is caused by the fact that we have not been maintaining exactly. our positioning. Mm. But not exclusively. Yes. Sometimes we can maintain our positioning and then we can still come up against a real giant. Yes. So, again, the Israelites do come through the Jordan River. They enter into the rest of God. They position themselves. They're still positioned within the will of God because they are going to now approach Jericho. Mm. And then the need for overcoming arises, uh, can arise out of God's purposes. That now, because we're advancing mm. and God has purpose with our lives... We might come and face situations that needs to be that needs to be overcome. Yes. 
But if we've been maintaining the right positioning, then we know it's not the Lord rebuking and chastening. This is just we have to overcome as part of our journey. Uh, but we're looking specifically at the, uh, the possibility that we need to overcome because simply we have not been positioned correctly. Or been maintaining our positioning in our own consciousness and life experience. So we do see in the story of the Israelites that a lot of their overcoming wasn't part of, wasn't part of God's original plan for advancing and progressing. It was them overcoming because they have veered off the road. They didn't went positioning right. Mm. And, and it's going to happen in our lives. Let's just be honest. We all know that it happens. Mm. So checking positioning is the intimacy on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis with God. And you only be able to check that positioning according to the standard that you have come into when it comes to what is intimacy with the Lord. What is living in the Spirit with God? So for one person, they're quite happy with intimacy that, yes, I read a, a verse or two per day out of my... I have a quiet time in the evening. I spend 15 minutes reading a few verses and then I pray. And for them, that's intimacy. Uh, for us, I believe that intimacy for us has come to the place where we live Mm-hmm. with a consciousness of um, interaction with the Holy Spirit on a continuous basis, plus mm. plus the official times where we uh, intercede and we, we seek the Lord's face intimately. Uh, so there's no validity in a lifestyle where you are constantly praying, but you're praying on the way to work and on the way to this and on the way to that, we boast. Quiet time, in the quiet place, in the secret place, plus the day-to-day life living. That's the standard that we have for sitting at the table. And then the other part is that we're living a lifestyle of learning to live from our heavenly positioning, being seated with Him. This is a different positioning where we're actually starting to learn how to take authority, not just let life happen to mm-hmm. us. We also have all been in the process of taking authority over the people in our lives. So colleagues at work, we make decisions. You um, am a person that talks nonsense, so I'm going to minimize time with you and I'm going to impose the boundaries on you with authority. Mm-hmm. That's us taking authority in our lives. The other person that wants to... Uh, bring us into conversations that we shouldn't be, we have taken authority by saying, look, I disagree with you on the basis of the word. Uh, please don't swear in my uh, presence. Uh, I don't want to have my mind defiled. So this is the other actively, uh, it's not coming authority from us being stubborn or self-righteous, but out of our positioning, bringing order to our life. That's that kind of authority living. Yeah. And, and we actively have to have this in place. Mm. So if it's not in place, then we're definitely in the process of wanting to put that in place. Yes. Yeah. These are practical things where if I wasn't disciplined in a certain area, then I need to slowly but surely start figuring out how do I do these areas mm. right. This is walking circumspectly. With other words, checking that speech is sanctified and action is sanctified. Um, 
This is where, in my own life, I start correcting myself that I don't talk out of line. Mm. I don't use the wrong type of wording. Um, I don't think uh, in a lazy manner. Yes. So I'm actually paying attention. I'm considering things. Mm. That's part of taking authority. Mm. Not just allowing life to happen and I don't kind of have a, a mm. sense of what's mm. happening and a handle on it and I'm not interacting. Because a lot of people are not doing the wrong thing, but they're not actually interacting on a positive level either. They're just kind of coasting along. And that person will have no authority. And then there's the crowd that has intimacy with the Lord. So that's the Abba Daddy crowd. So there, there is times when, when I relate to him as, as Daddy in my own time, because he's also my father. But he's my father because I'm in Messiah. Mm -hmm. Um, so there I'm just careful to allow the love and the nurturing that I am receiving and embrace that and give myself to it, but not indulging me as an individual with some image of a father. Because that crowd, they think they have intimacy and then out of that they want to carry authority. Mm -hmm. But it's not authority that's based on the word or what is real in the kingdom of heaven. So you can't have authority or walk in authority if you haven't actually uh, corrected your thinking and understanding of what the kingdom of God is, how it operates. Um, it's like, uh, it's like uh, I see a 20-odd-year-old running for mayor. Great, win the position, become the mayor. How are you going to do the job? Mm. Never been a manager of a business, uh, have no official training in it, there's no way you can run a city. And so to come into walking in spiritual authority, we are seated in heavenly places, but now we're in a discipling process where we're learning how does God governance work so that we can come in line and, and authority can flow through us into the world, into our own lives first. But in line with how the governance of God works, how does He govern? How does He do things? And this is part of this um, teaching today. And so first we, we check our positioning. Now if my positioning and understanding how the kingdom works is still very weak. So I'm seated there, but I'm not quite sure how everything works yet. Mm. Then I want to apply the level to which I'm going to act in authority in a very conservative way. And, and, and many people in this fellowship has actually done that very well. Mm. So many of you have been careful. You're positioned there, but you know that you don't yet understand how the governor, uh, governance systems work. So, and our protocols work. So you come and you, and you come talk to us, say, this is what I'm perceiving. I want to respond in this way. What's the correct way to respond? And, and that's wise. And a lot of people in the fellowship has done it like that. Some of us has in early days tried to act in authority whilst we didn't understand how things work and um, learned the hard way that that has negative consequences. So, um, so all of these things have to do with this positioning. So I, I've got to learn and understand only out of practice. Um, I will get a sense of 
how much of the kingdom uh, um, functioning when it comes to authority do I understand? Mm. Only by actually being active in it all the time will I have a good sense of how uh, much of an understanding I have of the functioning of the governance of heaven. And if I know that I only have a 10% understanding, then I'd rather partner mm. with uh, others in the body that, that maybe has a better understanding or has overcome in areas. This is vital. Yes. So you still position in Messiah in heavenly places, but you, because you position with him there, you position with him as part of the body. Mm. So you have no authority of your own. In the physical, some of us will be uh, uh, released into greater authority, but it will still flow from our positioning in the body. Yes, yes. So if you have an apostle that is not functioning within the body, and he comes with authority, I'm not going to accept it. Because, and same with the prophet. Prophet that comes out of the wilderness, and I say, okay, so where's the body that you are functioning within? He says, no, I'm a... One of those prophets that God just speaks to me and I, and I just speak, I'm going to go, I need time to build a relationship with you to see if you understand the authority that you want to speak in. And if he's not willing, I don't care because the chances of him operating by his own authority or worldly authority is much too big. So, for us, these steps, please focus and exercise in establishing these steps in your mind. Getting it from the seventh letter. The seventh letter is that first step after salvation. The first basic step is that we have overcome the divide between where we were, mm. dead in our sins, by the call of His Spirit and by His overcoming, we have been transferred into the kingdom of the Son of His love and we have become light and we have inherited eternal life, and we're seated with Him in eternal and heavenly places, we've entered into His rest, we've come into our inheritance. This is the first step of overcoming. And, um, and this is where we start off from. Mm. And so that's why it's so important to check these steps. So if we find ourselves coming to the realization that I need to fight, I need to overcome, I need to correct things. First question, am I hot or cold? Now, if you have not in your works, in your deeds, in your actions, maintained a high level of being hot, don't tell yourself you're hot just because you want to be hot. Okay, this is... A person that cannot make the correct assessment mm. on whether they're hot or cold, they, if they're cold and they say they're hot, forget about the rest of overcoming. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a non-issue. It's not applicable. Mm. So that's basically how mm. important this first letter actually is. Mm. Um, if we can make an assessment and go, Lord, have mercy on me, I've grown lukewarm. That's the first steps in repentance and overcoming. Yes. Literally. Second step. Um, establish a consciousness of being zealous and repenting. 
because of the fact that I'm, I've assessed that I'm hot or cold and I realize that it might be the Lord that is correcting me. If He's chastening, if He's leading to repentance, then establish immediately a consciousness of I'm zealous to repent. But in other words, I'll do whatever it takes to repent. I need to get back to being hot. I need to be repositioned, repositioned in righteousness. Mm. I need to be repositioned in your will and your word. And that's sometimes, um, even that can be a big step. Yes. Even that can take a day, two days, a week. Sure, just to reestablish it. Yeah. Uh, reestablish a consciousness of, I need to repent. But I need to be zealous in repenting. Not mm. just a vague idea of I need to repent. Mm. There's a difference in being zealous to repent. Actively stopping things, moving things to the side and saying, I need to repent now. That's zealous to repent. So, not, not to minimize the other normal uh, life overcomings, we want to immediately check with ourselves, is it possible that it's the Lord rebuking me, correcting me, teaching and, me? And obviously, for a group like this, um, I want to be careful in saying that the assumption is that this shouldn't be the norm. That, that it is the Lord chastening or rebuking us because the agreement is that we are walking an active road of repentance and seeking repentance every day, every moment, uh, learning His ways, learning to walk in His will, learning to discern His Spirit and His guidance better and better. So um, it's not that it's, oh, every second time I need to overcome something, uh, it's the Lord chastening or rebuking. Uh, but we don't want to assume that we're just so well positioned that, oh, the Lord loves me so much, He's never going to chasten or rebuke me. Because He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Mm -hmm. So we want to just uh, be able to look at things realistically and make a, a real um, valid discernment in, is this the Lord? Am I perhaps not as hot as I thought I was? And then acknowledge it and accept it and then be zealous to repent. So let's just look at the idea of zeal. So zeal literally means to have warmth of feeling. Mm. And remember we said if you go look at the root word of that, it means to boil. Yeah. But yeah, so zeal means... Zeal means to boil. So now, the step is, let me check if I'm hot or cold or lukewarm. If I can identify that maybe I'm not hot, I might be lukewarm. The next step is, is there any form of correcting or rebuking from the Lord's side? Is there chastening from the Lord's side? Is this causing pressure? Because we have to always consider that it might be that there's oppression mm. uh, taking place from the enemy's side. Now, sometimes the oppression that takes place or the attack from the enemy is because we've grown lukewarm. The Lord is bringing a discipline into our lives and the enemy is responding to our seeming weakness and vulnerability. So it could be that the Lord is chastening 
and the enemy is going, well, now that you're already in trouble, it's almost like a sibling. <laughs> you know? It's like, I don't know if everybody has siblings where the moment you're in trouble, they'll make it worse. So, so the enemy will sometimes capitalize on when the Lord is chastening. So and now so, we're kind of lukewarm, the Lord is chastening and the enemy is coming. <laughs> normally when we've grown lukewarm, we would have already created um, some uh, opportunity for mm. the enemy to move in anyways. Mm. By us becoming lukewarm, not paying attention, not being busy with the things of the Lord, or being uh, distracted by normal life and the pressures of life, could bring the chastening of the Lord, but it could have already opened some doors and opportunities for the enemy to start ministering. Mm. So now we're feeling um, a bit of uh, darkness, dark clouds moving in and a little bit of depression or um, disappointment. So the Lord is chastening to correct us into vision and hope and covenant again. And the enemy is going and he's ministering uh, uh, disappointment. And so that's why sometimes we, we get confused and we don't know how to respond. We follow these steps. First of all, so that we can repent. So repentance becomes the answer. Now, any person come to me with anything for counseling, anything, repentance is what we're going to look for. We're going to identify the area where the person can repent because that's where the hope lies. The answer to every problem is repentance. Yes. If there's a problem... Repentance is the answer. Mm. It's the how to repent that we're going to figure out. Yes. But we're looking first and foremost to how do I repent, where do I repent, is the opportunity for repentance. And so um, when it comes to repentance, it's, it's literally to reconsider. Firstly, repentance we know is turning away from where you've been going, turning away from self, turning back to becoming like He is, turning back to His will, Literally, Yahushua, the will of God, the salvation of God, the image of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness. So that's, that's uh, repentance. But repentance on my side is, I'm going to reconsider my position. I'm going to reconsider the way I'm thinking, the way I'm responding, what I'm doing, what I'm busy with, where I'm going, uh, what my desires are, what, uh, all of that. So what my motivations were, reconsidering. So repentance with zeal is to reconsider so that I can get back to a boiling point. So that I can re give myself to become warmth of warmer feeling feeling again. Mm. So it's pretty this is the 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 the, 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 the place where the shift is gonna that's that we said there's a pivotal. So I can live out of my positioning uh, in heavenly places into my life here. And then somehow it pivots to the other side. And we need to, the pivotal point is that repentance point. Mm. And so we're talking about a process to identify uh, where, to, where to repent. Now can we uh, read through some of these yes. scriptures? Just as far as we've got to understand that when it feels bad because the Lord is chastening and the Lord is rebuking, it's like teaching a child, bringing up a child in the right ways. It's a process of um, a father correcting a child. Mm. 
And let's just go through some of these scriptures because it's very important that we have this in our mindset that it's a good thing. If the Lord chastens us, it's a good thing. Mm. It might be scary. And when the Lord stops you in your tracks, it might be a matter of, yes, but Lord, I really wanted to go do this thing. I want to finish this thing. And He goes, no, stop. And then sometimes there's a cost involved in us turning away, turning back. Sometimes a huge cost. Mm. Sometimes it will cost us everything because we've been moving in the wrong direction. But repenting is, is a good thing. Mm. Chastening is a good thing because he does it because he loves us. Mm. Yeah. So Hebrews chapter 12, I'm sure you're all expecting this scripture. Uh, from, let's read from, the, the, from verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. And then you can go read all the way to the end of verse 11, where it also speaks about how beneficial and good it is for us when the Lord does rebuke and chasten us. Now, we don't want to get confused with the other process. There's another process where I've seen people abiding in unbiblical thinking, unbiblical speaking, unbiblical living. We're talking about those that has come to the ways of God, acknowledged the law, the way of God, but never entered into obedience. There's a huge crowd and they are their ships are sinking. And so they see where the storms come and the winds blow and their house keeps collapsing. This is not God chastening. Mm. We want to differentiate, differentiate here because there's where the Lord comes in and it's for correcting. And we can respond because we're already in relationship. And, we, and it's out of love because we are sons. Then there's others uh, where Satan's literally just ripping their lives apart. Because they're living unbiblically. They're not coming into line with, with biblical truth with righteousness, they're not seeking the will of God, they want to do their own thing. And then when they suffer, they're saying, yes, it's the Lord chastening. Now that's just you being stuck in a closet with uh, the beast. And now uh, the tight spaces is because you're in the closet with the beast. So that's not the same thing. And, and it's also important that in wisdom we learn to differentiate. When we've just been stubborn or prideful and Sometimes we, f we fall because pride comes before a fall. And that wasn't the Lord chastening. That's just you fell. It wasn't Him chastening. You fell. That's as easy as that. And sometimes things fall apart, not because the Lord is rebuking you, but because your own sin has caused things to fall apart. Now there's repentance in all these scenarios, but let's not get it wrong. Because it will be vital to understand what's happening mm. so that we can, in repentance, mm. respond properly. And that's why these steps will help us to respond properly, repent yes. properly, overcome properly. Because mm. um, a lot of times people don't overcome because they're saying, well, it's the Lord's will that I suffer. And you go like, if you just repent, mm. you don't have to suffer. And again, I'm going to refer to this one guy long ago where his entire life started for being focused on his daughter's ballet. 
when he was saying on the side that one day he's going to serve the Lord and he's called to be an evangelist, and there was a fivefold aspect to his life. But his life for years were a disaster. Because he wasn't building his life on what is said in the Sermon on the Mount. When the storms came, his house kept falling down. And why? Because his highest priority and his focus was his daughter's ballet. Mm. Now, you can't maintain the idol and say you're going to serve God. Somewhere in there, you're going to open your entire life. So, now, it might be that the Lord is chastening, but it's mostly Satan-destroying. And then there's the risk that that process might go on for such a long time that eventually the Lord just spits you out of His mouth. Now that's where we're going to talk more about that vomiting out. Mm. And so we're going to talk about how does, what does it look like when a, a believer, a saved believer is vomited out in this realm. Mm. That's very important to understand. But let's read through those yes. scriptures first. <clears throat> okay, so the next one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32. Uh, but when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Next okay. one. Okay. Uh, the next one is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. And then Job chapter 5 verse 17. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. Very positive. Um, very positive uh, approach there in the writing that happy is the man. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's positive, definite positive aspects to being chastened and corrected by the Lord. It brings greater joy, happiness, and you would have experienced this already before. You can be down in the dumps, really exposed and um, experiencing, exposed to anxiety or fear or disappointment, and when you turn back and you repent, you can enter right into a uh, um, nonsensical joy almost. Yes. Like nothing has been fixed. The circumstances remain the same, and all of a sudden you move back into mm. happiness, and joy, and from relief. A, from a personal point of view and perspective, um, there have been times in my walk where I felt like I've really messed up, and uh, and times when I've been deserving of the chastening and the rebuking of the Lord. And in those times, usually I would have been so downcast or so uh, frightened and fearful of, of uh, knowing what my actions could have caused. Um, mm. That just the fact that the Lord is, is chastening me or rebuking me brings such a relief and joy because he's still involved. He hasn't just left me. Uh, that that brings a joy in, in a circus situation where, where really there's still... Um, you know, it's still not necessarily pleasant because it's a chastening and a rebuking taking place. But underneath all of that, there's such a joy and a relief because thank you, Lord, for just taking an interest in my life and actually loving me enough to help me uh, correct. Um, yeah, so that's also sometimes a, pers- a perspective that I've, I've had to keep. Mm. Okay. So... 
let's talk about that vomiting out. And then from there, we're just quickly going to have a look at the knocking and the coming in of the Lord. Because there is the aspect of sitting with Him at His table. Let's talk about this vomiting out. So we know and we believe that a person that has been baptized into Messiah can never lose salvation. So salvation is a free gift according to the perfect will of God. But we do know that He pulls out His Spirit into us and then in the flesh we have a certain amount of time on earth where we are in the process of renewing the mind, laying down self according to what we've done in the baptism water. So practically, we need to learn to come into everything that was uh, given to us or the reality of our new birth. We call that growing in the spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, on earth, we're like a, an infant newborn that's going to be raised by the Father, raised by the Holy Spirit. Um, as a child is is raised and is going to grow into maturity. So there's a maturing. Um, But that process is very specific. It is getting to know and understand the Word of God so that we can know and understand God's heart, His Mm -hmm. mind, and we can live according to His Mm -hmm. ways. All these things are very specific. It's righteousness. Um, It is also uh, coming into holiness. And holiness is being completely separate. So that process is a continuous separation between flesh and spirit, a continuous separation between whatever is worldly and not in not kingdom of God. Um, so there's a separation between the uh, realities and the systems, the principles of the world, and the realities, the culture, and the systems of the kingdom of heaven. Um, so that process is ongoing every second of every day in the life of the believer. And although we have been given every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Messiah, and we have been seated in Him in heavenly places, while walking in the flesh, we're supposed to be in a process where we learn to be led by the Spirit, where we learn to lay down our own will and seek the will of the Father and the will of Yahweh at all times. And we are to practically implement the word that we have come to understand in all things continuously. Now, whenever religion especially sets in, or we adopt ideas about God and what righteousness and truth is according to what's best for us and not best for the body, or according to our preferences and not what's reality in the kingdom, um, we see people stop short, mm. turn back. And we know that the Lord says a person that has put his hand to the plant turns back, the Lord has um, no, pleasure. no pleasure in such a man. And that uh, there is consequences for the person that doesn't continue in faith. Mm. Um, and here we see another one of those consequences. Now, a lot of people interpret this as a person can lose their salvation. We don't believe that is true. Now, the spit, the vomiting out of his mouth means that if a person refuses, as the Holy Spirit is speaking the Word of God to them, the Holy Spirit is ministering the living Word according to the written Word to the person, but the person refuses to conform, to come into obedience, 
to um, adjust and reposition, mm. to renew the mind um, and to have themselves as, as in, the, in their substance changed from glory to glory all the time. If they refuse these processes, and it doesn't matter if they refuse in certain ways and just um, are in the process in, in one or two other ways, wherever there's refusal, uh, rebellion, resistance to the Holy Spirit, if this is continuous, it could lead to a place where the Lord vomits that person out of his mouth in the physical being. Because his positioning in the heavenly places remains secure, but there's a process that's on the go here. And this is what it looks like when the Lord vomits a person out here. It means that the, um, the positive working, the positive volume and, um, and authority and power of his uh, word as, as a whole is no longer empowered and applicable in this man's life. So that's why it's out of his mouth. So he separates, because what's in his, in his mouth is his testimony. What's in his mouth is word, the will of the Father, and the testimony of righteousness. And his testimony is laying down his life, dying to himself, sacrificing himself for those he loved. Um, and so when he vomits a person out, it's, he separates that person from the promises of his word, the fullness of truth, the righteousness of his word, the the way the word opens up the the way to grow spiritually to come to become in to become free to come into freedom so he's literally vomited out from the word of god mm-hmm. or from the word of yahushua vomited out from everything that is true and that's when we see a believer that is saved uh, all of a sudden it's like the words, the word just doesn't prove true in his life anymore. It's almost like the opposite is operating, and he will vomit people out if they consistently uh, walk out of false witness. If they consistently play around with his word. With other words, they stay in that place of lukewarmness. They never get cold, but never hot. Mm. Especially those guys that want to start preaching and testifying falsely Mm. um, not being approved by the word and not actually conform to his word but they especially those guys he will vomit out he'll separate them from whatever is true in his own mouth his own witness does he do that to protect his word the word doesn't specifically say that Um, it is just what he says he'll do Mm. and there's a separation There's there's a spewing out the flesh it's almost like the bones and the feathers are, are vomited out. And you'll see that person um, displaying almost like a separation from what is true and the promises of God and so forth. Um, and he says that he will do this. But he also says that such a person can come back and acknowledge the fact that he's poor and miserable. And he can start to buy a gold refined in fire. That can happen. And the person can buy eye salve. Now let's talk about the eye salve quickly. Just go for us to Peter, to the Peter equation, and we see what he says. If a person did not follow the process of discipling, mm. 
there's a consequence that is why the person will have to come back and buy ISOL. Yeah, so he goes through the whole process in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, the equation, um, and then talks about being barren and fruitful. And then in verse 9 he says, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. You see, now that's the kind of person that has ignored or was not aware of or have resisted the proper process of discipling for a prolonged period of time. That's the person that will have to come back and, and purchase ISOF to, to gain vision again and to gain the ability to look into the Word of God again. So if you just go back and, and look at before the blindness, what does it say, barren? Yeah, so he says in verse 8, For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Yahushua HaMashiach. Now here it says, And do you not know your wretched, miserable, poor, and blind? Now there it speaks about barren and unfruitful. Mm-hmm. So this is a person that did not abound in the things after faith. So faith came but never added virtue and knowledge. And we see so, such a large uh, number of the total uh, Christian population across the world being in this situation. Mm-hmm. But even after the, the negative effects have come to be in their lives, they can come back and they can come and they can, re- in a repentant state, zealously repenting, they can acknowledge that they are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And it says here, and I counsel you to buy from me gold refined and fire. And we did deal with that in the previous teaching where uh, this is that realization that we need to come back and and bring just the nothingness of our our being because of the trust in in his salvation uh, promise and process and the reality of what he has done and has uh, finished in his own will. And we can come back and there we can purchase gold again. And um, the, the, the gold that, that, is, that is purchased there is, is also mentioned in relation to, in, in Hebrews, I believe, it's, it's referred to where where does it refer to when, when our, our faith is tested, like gold? Oh, refined? this is in 1 Peter, yeah. In 1 Peter? Yes. So, so maybe just read that for us. Yes, uh, so he says, um, so in 1 Peter chapter 1, he talks about the inheritance incorruptible and does not fade away. Uh, then he says in verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Yahushua HaMashiach. See, here we also see the same dynamic in this letter, where we can come in and we can, we can experience trials because our faith has to be tested, the genuineness of our faith has to be tested. And then that becomes as gold mm. refined in fire. Or even more precious than and gold. More, yeah. more precious. And so please read that again. 
And all of this we want to understand in relation to when uh, we life brings us into a position where we have to overcome, we have to fight, we have to repent, we have to become zealous again. Um, but what we're saying is there is an aspect that for people that have rebelled and have resisted Lord long term, they can be spat out or vomited out uh, and separated from His Word and His promises and the power of His covenant and His Word. But there is always the possibility for them to return, but they return in this state of being. And and then they need ourself to start seeing again and to to buy again. And then He will dress them in white he, according to His salvation plan and the forgiveness that is true for the cross. Mm-hmm. Because that person is ultimately forgiven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to, and this is maybe a good opportunity to speak about that, because we know that we have repented once and we've forgiven once, mm-hmm. outside of time. But in the flesh, in time, when we become aware of the need to repent, we can ask, Lord, forgive me for my rebellion or my, my pride. Forgive me for my action, for my sin accordance to the forgiveness that I've received once and for all on the cross. Let that reality out of eternity come back into this moment so that I can experience and walk into the forgiveness again. So we know that we cannot be repeatedly forgiven, Mm. but we can enter into that everlasting forgiveness repeatedly. So on his side, the process here has been finished and forgiven and he will relate to us through grace as if we're perfect unless we're not walking in that grace mm. and the person that doesn't continue in that grace now the grace is bringing what is true eternally into our lives and as long as we keep walking in righteousness in that grace with all our hearts seeking even though we don't always know how to perfectly do it we achieve we are helped and led by the Holy Spirit to walk in it, even though we don't know how, because we fervently seeking to do it. There's an innocence in the way that we want to be led. We want to be right with God. We want to do His will. And that's the process by which He leads us. But now, within the reality that all my sin, past and future, has been forgiven and washed away by the blood, never to be remembered again by Him in eternity, He will still respond to my sin and, 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 and rebellion here. It's not going to bring eternal condemnation, but it's going to bring consequences. Mm. And it's the process of consequences that we are experiencing here. Yes. So it's not going to cancel out the consequences, but of course the consequences is part of the uh, teaching us. The being conformed. Being conformed. The rebuking and the chastening. Mm. That's the consequences. Mm. So often the consequences of our rebellion or our disobedience will bring us to this place where we realize we need to be forgiven. And then... The reality remains eternally that I've been forgiven, but from where I'm positioned within my circumstances, maybe within realizing that I've resisted the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has become quiet, Mm. or I've walked so far out of the grace of God by resisting the Holy Spirit that that I need to get back into His grace positioning, where I realize that I've grieved Him, 
or I realize that I'm looking at the consequences of my sin and and I would rather just be right with him. So I, I, I said, Lord, I want to be right with you. I want to be realigned with you. I want to be repositioned so I can be in your will, in your protection, uh, be covered by covenant again, be right with your word, live according to your word, maybe fix what I've done. Within that, we can pray and say, firstly, Holy Spirit, forgive me out of relationship's sake for resisting you or grieving you. I want to be right with you in relationship. I want to be obedient. I want to experience your your goodness and your and your and your mm-hmm. your presence. But within relating to Yahushua on the throne as King and 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 God the Father, we can say, Lord, according to your eternal forgiving of all my transgressions on the cross, and I have been forgiven and washed. I'm asking that in this moment in time, that I. I'm forgiven that you will allow the forgiveness to flow through to this moment in time. It's true in eternity. Let it be true for me here. Allow me to come into that experience. I'm asking you to forgive me according to that. And that asking of forgiveness will go back to the moment where you um, confessed yourself to be a sinner. And that moment is the moment when you're forgiven. But the moments where we call out and say, Lord, forgive me, that becomes part of that moment outside of time and it becomes the sum total of all your repentance and all your confession as a sinner. And so it's true that we can't be forgiven again, but it's also vital that we come back into that forgiveness and the easiest way sometimes say, Lord, I know I've been forgiven, but forgive me. It's like we, when we did the prayerability series on, on the Psalms, the, where King David asked, uh, pardon my equities. Yeah. That's the kind of attitude. So we know we're forgiven, but also realistically I have transgressed. So pardon my iniquities according to the eternal forgiveness that you have granted. Yeah. So we understand that I'm not getting forgiven. That my status... Or my righteousness status does not depend on whether I'm going to say sorry or not. Mm. The consequences in the world is going to depend on whether I repent or not. Mm. So a person that continues not to repent might see the consequences of their unrepentant behavior on earth. But let's make it very clear that... um, there's no truth to the attitude that a person that doesn't repent here or the idea that a person that's unrepentant here is going to uh, lose their salvation or there's going to be any consequence to their eternal positioning in Messiah. And this, this, is, this is taught and preached widely, that a person has to identify their sin and confess their mm. sin and repent from that sin in order to be forgiven. Now, that's just a false doctrine. Mm. And the confusion comes out of that. We still confess our sin and we still ask for forgiveness according to the fact that I have been forgiven. I'm not asking forgiveness and saying, I wonder if you are, if you are willing to forgive me again. It's because that mindset will put you in such an insecure position that you'll never be able to live out of a seated in heavenly places positioning ever. So that's why it's very important to understand that. But 
Let's move on to the other aspect, and that is, it says that he comes and he knocks at the door. Mm. 